What's up guys, AZ Mongo here, and today we're going to start this podcast off with something else I really enjoy, um, and I, like I said in the last podcast, that we are going to have a lot of fun in here when it comes to the different subjects that we are going to discuss. You know, the last episode discussing things about um, education and, and the differences in traditional education and higher education versus trade school education and now we're going to kind of drift off into something a little more fun a little more entertaining if it's your style of uh, entertainment and we're going to discuss um, video game history video game culture uh, what causes longevity in video games you know the differentiators between video games and the Late uh, late eighties era and the nineties era, you know, and then even some of them before that. When it comes to arcades and arcade games, pinball, um, what really generationally has caused longevity in some of those games versus how I'm not going to use the word. I guess in my mind the phrase cookie cutter comes into play but you know a lot of video games aren't cookie cutter I don't want to take away um, any of the creativity and the work and the skill that goes behind creating a video game in this day and age in this era but I will say that the biggest differences to me and you know by all means if you disagree or you have some input on it please you know um, send me some feedback on it but in my opinion so me being like I said last time 32 years old you know the video games I grew up on my father had a Sega Master System so I spent some time playing you know the two button controller Sega Master System don't even have to have a cartridge in the system and play some of the fun racing games that are on it and then um, I was introduced to the Sega Genesis by my uncle and I was probably five or six years old when I got introduced to the Sega Genesis in that time frame I was um, stayed up all night playing Sonic to the point of I'm having blisters on my hand from the d-pad it wasn't even from a joystick between the uh, divots and the buttons and and the textures on the ABC button and and the textures on the d-pad uh, I got blisters in my hand, staying up forever trying to beat Sonic. And, you know, Sonic was created in my mind as a longevity video game because there was so many things to do and they didn't have an ability to save like you can now. In games in this day and age, you know, everything has an autosave feature. There's, there's a way to save all your progress. You know, everything across the internet, playing with multiple people and you know, you would get the chance to play a two-player game on the old systems and you and your buddy would have a great time just seeing what you could do on a two-player video game. And now you're playing with mass amounts of people, which is awesome. And again, that strikes like we talked about on the last episode where it kind of ties in is technology and growth of technology. And so what what do I feel created the, the complexity of video games when I was younger? versus complexity of video games now you know income for families you know 20 plus years ago wasn't as disposable 
as income is now. And I'm not saying everybody has disposable income, but when you look at video games and the trends in video games, when you were a kid and you had the chance to get a video game when you were my age, that video game had to last because first of all, they weren't putting out new video games and do adventures all the time. But also, you didn't have the money to go and get the news, latest, greatest video game. And nowadays, I consider video games to be much more disposable income style video games. You can go down to your local game store. You know, I don't want to promote any game store names on here just because, you know, I don't have a sponsorship from them. But you all know the different video game stores. And you can go down there and you pick up... Um, a game, a title that you can beat in that exact same day. That first day you get the game, you can beat it. There was very few games when I was a kid that you were able to do that with. I mean, I'm still um, as old as I am. I uh, got a chance to play a uh, Toe Jam and Earl emulator, and I still haven't ever beat Toe Jam and Earl. And it's one of the first styles of open world video game where it just plain lets you choose your adventure your path but the complexity of the levels in the game become more and more complex but it's the same thing over and over it's not new things and sequels to video games in that time frame weren't as common as sequels and series of video games are now with the exception of the Mario series Mario has been around for a long time and they've had a very large amount of successful Mario games that have branched off and stemmed off of each other from Super Mario World to Super Mario World 2 to Mario Brothers 1, 2, and 3. Um, so the longevity of that game, and there's never, I don't find there's ever a way to beat Mario. You know, the, the newer ones, the older ones you could beat, but there was so many introductions of Easter eggs and different ways to go about things. Um, another successful older game at the time that kind of fell off after number two, again, in my opinion, was Streets of Rage. But then when you get into fighting games, fighting games have been able to have longevity throughout most of their course. I mean, Mortal Kombat, uh, the nerd that I am playing Sega Genesis, playing Mortal Kombat, eight, nine years old, um, trying to get the newest book that gave me the, uh, the fatality codes and and remembering the exact fatality code, not code for fatality, but give me the exact fatality. Ah, I screwed up again. Sorry, ignore that part. The extra blood code to make better fatalities. So on the Sega Genesis, and this is like burned into my mind and it's kind of funny, um, 24 years later, I still remember like it was yesterday, but ABBACBA being the extra blood code to make it more gory and thinking of a game more gory 20 plus years ago is nothing compared to the gore in video games now um, but when it comes to the longevity and having a good series of an older game look at the progression of those older games now as you move up from the Sega the Sega Master System um, an unfortunate part for Sega kind of flopping on the Dreamcast great concept um, they just had too many players in that market that were able to kind of drive sales away from them in my opinion with the PlayStation and things of that nature being out um, but then 
you go to handheld video games. Now we got smartphones and everybody in the world is making a smartphone app and a video game for, for their smartphone. Um, so, you know, moving and progressing to that time frame and, and multiplayer games is, is really where the expansion is. Now, to me, longevity being held in, in multiplayer games is will break down into where the internet unearthed and, and when gaming became a plethora of experience through the internet and what I find intriguing about that knowledge is so I look back to some of the games I enjoyed that I spent most of my childhood uh, nerding out on um, would be you know the Diablo series from Blizzard so you got Diablo 1, Diablo 2, Diablo 2 LOD um, you know Starcraft and there are a lot of these games with the time frame it takes before they start and make a new expansion, a new um, drive with that. And then they took something like Warcraft, and Warcraft went from, you know, just a basic RTS in my opinion, and Warcraft and Starcraft were more like an RTS, and then they maneuvered and, and were able to plug away and make a storyline out of Warcraft to the point of where it's a global game now and then when you talk about that global game they even had the chance to make a movie which is one of the first styles of a video game movie aside from I think uh, you know Judge Dredd and a few of those games were, were movies first um, and that's another thing not to kind of change course and change topic back to older um, video games and stuff but so in the 90s era in pop culture there was a lot of video games that circled around pop culture, what was going on in, in culture at that time frame. You got your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles video game, you got your um, Disney video games, Aladdin, Rescuers Down Under. I, I wanna say that Tailspin even had a game, um, and, and Darkwing Duck. So you had all these these icons, iconic TV series, or um, The Lion King. So a lot of these iconic things within the Sega realm on a system, and they were fun. They weren't they weren't weird or strange. Um, graphically for their time, they were amazing. So the longevity behind that is based on creating great content. And so what I found too, um, now we're going to kind of shift back forward to the future. So with video games and longevity of video games here in the future, I believe that video game creators and content creators came up with this genius idea and I don't know whose idea it was to do it, but public beta testing was a genius way to not only market their product, but have to spend less money on paying people to test their games because people were paying for pre-releases to get access to the betas and they're able to get feedback from these betas and create a better video game and what people in the world really want. Now, that's crucial to the success of a video game, of a video game series. It's crucial to the success of an industry to have that feedback from your client base of what they want to see and then implementing within reason what your clients, what your buyers are striving for 
is amazing. And that could have been done without video gaming uh, across the internet platforms. And then now, what you're finding that becomes a influential part of longevity of video games are video game influencers. So, when I talk about video game influencers, thanks to platforms like Twitch and YouTube and um, other major platforms for people to display content, now it becomes more of a socialized gathering. And with the socialized gathering, people within the video game world are more able to find more people like them. And then with the birth of the internet gaming communities and these platforms, now you have things like what's considered esports and the birth of esports uh, organizations. You know, clans and video games have been around forever. You know, your video game clan, your Warcraft clan, your whatever. Now, with the birth of competitive clans that are actually getting worldwide recognition to the point of TV shows and TV series. You take something like League of Legends and they're broadcast for their um, finals in their leagues or in the 100,000 mark of viewers. That shows a lot of interest in your video game. 100,000 viewers or we'll even say 100,000 players is minimal in the spectrum of gamers. But then you take your influencers that play certain games that have... 30 plus viewers on their channel um, that are representing their video game, the sponsorships that come with it, you know, we can compare this back to skateboarding anyway, when skateboarding really got hot in America and every teenager wanted to be a skateboarder and or a bike rider or a motocross guy and you see these sponsors popping up, you got 13, 14 year old kids getting sponsored by these big companies and then those guys become influencers in the marketplace because every kid wants to be like that successful kid. And that same thing's happening with video gaming. We can even talk about that when it comes to podcasting. You know, you take an influential uh, person in the podcast realm and then idolize them and then you want to become a podcaster yourself. I think that's a good portion of, of a lot of podcasters. Now, kind of reel it back in and get out of the rabbit hole. Uh, longevity of games so one of one of my two huge games of my childhood was Diablo 2 LOD and RuneScape now Diablo 2 servers are still online and they still do uh, ladder resets and so we're looking at just shy of or maybe just hit the 20 year mark so for a game to still have servers at a company as large as, as Blizzard, who focuses so much attention on their newer gameplay, but still have servers available for Diablo 2, that's huge. Now the content might be minimal and it might be just kind of nostalgic, but it's still there. Now we'll take RuneScape. RuneScape went through a phase where they moved into RuneScape 3, which was the... Um, evolution of, of combat I think it's called EOC um, and they had a bit of a, a bit of a group of, of people that, that enjoyed that content but then they still had their original old-school grinding players their players that really wanted to dig in to what they grew up on and what they want to be a part of so 
Jagex took the advice of their population as numbers were diminishing in the other realm and other server and brought those servers back online and still have a huge number of success. You know, again, almost 20 years later from the evolution of RuneScape 1. Now, what kind of gets interesting about that is we'll take RuneScape's idea of progressing and getting um, into a, a whole unknown realm for um, MMORPGs, right? So RuneScape took on the task of creating a mobile version of their old school RuneScape. Now, that might sound kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. No, 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 no. That's extremely cool. For them to create a platform for a game that's X amount of years old that becomes server cross compatible to where you're running your compatibility across your PC servers and your web development servers to where your progress done on a web application is saved on the same server as your main information. That's huge. It's huge for an MMORPG that's that old to have been so, I don't even know what the word to use for it, but we'll call it future-sighted. I'll make that word up, future-sighted as a phrase. I know future and sight, you know, whatever. I'll make it up, love it or hate it, I'm using it. But to, to see the potential in something like that, the amount of success then you still have influencers on that market who are trying to help them with that because it becomes a culture. A lot of these games aren't just games to a lot of people. They become a culture to people. You have your Warcraft people. You have your MMORPG people. You have your real-time strategy people. You have your MOBA people. You have your puzzle game people. So these become cultural groups of people that have communication and talk the same language. And that births a whole different realm of how people interact and meet and, and how people who might be shy or might be somebody different in a game find more people like them. And I think the movie um, Ready Player One kind of established that in a very strong foothold that you can become something other than yourself but you're still you behind that keyboard. So with you being behind that keyboard, people know you as such and such in the game, but in real life, they know you as such and such. And I think it's amazing that people do that, but you gotta keep it within reason. A lot of these games have had marriages, have had things where people have got together in real life and have had successful families through meeting on a video game like RuneScape or a video game like Warcraft or Diablo or I'm not sure about Farmville, but that's possible. But that's kind of just a Facebook thing. But everybody has those fads. Now, what this will kind of drive us into in my next podcast, so kind of a little snippet of what I'm going to strategically put this in and slightly maneuver this into another realm is going to be digital currency which also kind of falls in the realm of cryptocurrency and how video gaming and things of that nature have in my opinion been a foothold in the digital currency era 
because of the weight of currency in a video game holds in a weight in real life, which kind of drives to the in-app purchases and the other monetary values of video games other than just the content itself that the video game creators had created. And that goes in all systems, applications, of how that monetization has changed the gaming world, whether it's for the better or for the worse, depending on your beliefs in the video game industry, we'll let you be the deciding factor in that. So stay tuned for the next episode of Mongo's Podcast, and we will discuss those features. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to me babble on forever about things I'm passionate about, but I want to know what you're passionate about. I want to know what your opinions on my podcast are. I want to know how you feel about the gaming industry, how you feel about my last podcast in the education field. I want to know your values and your opinions and where you see these industries going. Make sure you hit me up with an email, azmongo30 at gmail.com. Make sure you leave me a comment here. I will try to get back to everybody who sends me any kind of information and please take the time to give me ideas for another set of podcasts i have ideas coming about about people's phobias i got ideas coming about you know food entertainment opinions we're gonna avoid politics just for the sake of argument because that can just become heated but pretty much we'll have just about every opportunity to have multiple ideas thought processes subjects ready to go hit me up have a great day we'll tune in and see you on the next podcast have a great day everybody